Father, we are just so grateful for the opportunity to serve, for the, the opportunity to uh, be here at the summit, to listen to the expertise of so many who are engaged in different areas of ministry, to learn from them so that we can um, incorporate a very effective ministry wherever we are. But most of all, we are so grateful to be able to listen to you because you've, you have been speaking through uh, so many of the presenters and you have provided us an atmosphere of worship, an atmosphere where we are connecting with you. So at this time, uh, as we begin the seminar, I ask you to please pour down your spirit upon each one here. May your spirit be felt, may you open our minds and our hearts so that we can discern the importance of the message that we are about to hear. And please help us to really incorporate the things we're learning into a ministry that's meaningful, that will bring hope and healing and life to those who are struggling, uh, looking for an answer that may bring some hope for their hopeless being. So thank you for giving us the opportunity to walk this journey, this journey to wholeness, and bless us as we together um, fellowship and learn from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I was just telling you that uh, I'm very excited that you chose to be in this particular seminar. And why is that? Well, the reason is, you know that our many, there are many people in our churches um, and around our community who are suffering. They're suffering from uh, all kinds of um, habits that are harmful, that bind them down to a life that's hopeless. That comes in the form of many different practices. And it could come in the practice of you know, chemical addictions, it can come in the form of many other habits that are addictive in a way, but that really break down the life forces as we hear it in the spirit of prophecy. And so, this seminar here, it's uh, 12 Steps to Wholeness, has been put together with the idea of really launching in a bigger scale a ministry that has been going on for already nearly 20 years. Uh, you might have heard of Adventist Regeneration Ministries. And uh, now, uh, a couple years ago, this ministry that have been serving in churches, a few churches across America, uh, as a support group for people that are struggling with these kinds of habits and, and addictions. It's been termed now Adventist Recovery Ministries. And it has been just recently, last year, incorporated under North American Division Health Ministries. And so we are now, uh, after this has happened, we've provided uh, some development of resources, a new resource, which is the one that um, you will be listening uh, or hearing about this weekend that is meant to help you go back to your church and really use that as a support group in the support groups that you'll be able to hold in your faith community, in your churches. I imagine everybody here is an Adventist. Uh, and that you can then help those who are struggling with this. You're going to be hearing more about what that is um, by the several presenters that we have here who have been doing this in different ways in different parts of the country. But the idea 
is for this ministry to really provide you with resources, provide you with knowledge on how to deal with those who are struggling like that. So you have a sense of their journey they're going through so you can walk beside them in that journey. And so the 12 steps are, you're gonna hear more about it, I'm not gonna get into the details of it, but it's really a, a very powerful way to help people through this journey as they continue uh, in their recovery. And this is then the, uh, the materials that bring down to us the concepts that were used out there in AA or other things like that, other groups, but then make it in a language and with the principles and concepts that we so are, uh, embrace our Christian principles and biblical uh, principles, particularly focusing in Christ as the answer. And so I'm so thrilled to, to be able to see a, such a large group. We had like nearly 30 people probably who are passionate and I see them walking in and um, about this. And I know God is gonna bless in a beautiful way. Uh, you're gonna have wonderful discussions. I know you're gonna have to be able to share a lot of what you are dealing with. I know some of you in the audience already are dealing with this in many different forms. And you bring expertise as well. Nobody here is the expert. We are all learning together. And we have a few people I would like to present, to introduce to you who have been, again, engaged in this ministry of healing and wholeness uh, in this form in different areas. One of them I would like to introduce is Be Betty Campbell. Maybe you can stand up and, and come forward here. So Betty has been for how many years, Betty? Since 2004. 2004, so it's nearly like eight years um, engaged before with Adventist Recovery Minist uh, Re Regeneration Ministries. She's done Celebrate Recovery as well. And now, uh, you know, we have turned the name to Adventist Recovery Ministries, coordinating this track along with uh, Pastor Nate Ray Nelson, who I know see here, but they have been, um, uh, the coordinators for putting together what you will be hearing. And we're so grateful and, and very thankful to have Betty as one of our coordinators for, um, what is the region name? It's a, uh, Canada, it's a Canada and the North Pacific Union. Canada and the North Pacific Union. All right, thank you so much. Then we also will have this morning uh, and today and tomorrow, Dr. Ricardo White. Maybe he can stand up so you can know who he is. Dr. Ricardo White is a psychiatrist and uh, director <laughs> for the chemical dependence uh, program at the Behavioral and you can Behavioral tell me. Medicine Center. Yeah, Behavioral Medicine Center at Loma Linda University. And uh, he has a wealth of uh, uh, knowledge in terms of the clinical aspects. He deals with this on a daily basis. And we'll be able to share some very important concepts that we need to know if we are to be successful in helping uh, walking beside people in this journey. So thank you, Dr. White, for being with us here. Uh, let me see if I see. There's a couple of other people. I don't see Ray. Where is David? I don't see David. Uh, so there's a couple of other presenters that will be here, and I see David walking in and Ray walking in. I'll ask them to come forward. Um, so just come straight forward because I'm introducing all the presenters, and we want to know who you are. So uh, David Sadlacek, I don't know if I said it right. He will tell you. <laughs> he uh, has joined. He's been dealing with uh, people in this area as well for many years, but he's joined Adventist Recovery Ministries in our board and really now bringing more information. He has a book written on this area for, for people, pastors and others who are uh, 
struggling with this and trying to minister to others. And he will be sharing some very important concepts. He is at Andrews University, the um, is it vice president, vice uh, vice chair for the School of Social Work, or is a professor at the School of Social Work there? And he is our editor for the newsletter. How many of you opened your registration and saw a newsletter in the back? Okay, it says Journey to Life. So David is our editor, and if you don't, I have a whole bunch of newsletters I'll bring here in case you even want to take some home uh, to your group so you can give that to, to people in a church. That newsletter, he's, maybe we'll tell more about that. It's bi-monthly, and uh, this is the first issue. So we're very grateful to have David as well, and he'll be presenting to you. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, Pastor Ray Nelson uh, has also been the person who has been instrumental in making this ministry alive and, and, and you know, thriving through the years. He was the former director for Adventist Recovery, uh, Regeneration Ministries, um, and then Recovery Ministries went right before it transitioned into North American Division. And he's so passionate. I'm sure he will be sharing with you more about that. So Pastor Ray Nelson uh, is uh, the other presenter. And then I think we have the four of you who will be really taking us in this journey. And uh, I know that God will bless tremendously. I just wanted to ask how many of you are involved. Oh, I want to just introduce Ray Scott as well. She won't be presenting per se, but she's one of our coordinators in the Atlantic Union and that region. And also Frank um, Sanchez, who is a coordinator in the South, uh, South Southern Union and has been through many churches. And then, where is Doug? I don't see, oh, there he is. Doug is already standing. He is the coordinator as well in the area in New York and some other areas there. He's the cameraman. He's just checking us there as well. And so this ministry is growing. And uh, we are in the process of restructuring it, working through health ministries in the different uh, conferences and unions. And please be connected with us. Our website, you, you're going to see that in the newsletter. You can go in there, sign up for the newsletter, and be engaged so you can start to get communications from Advanced Recovery Ministries on a regular basis. And we are just thrilled to, to have you here. I wanted to know how many of you are involved in some form of uh, recovery ministries in your church, even though it may not be linked to this. Anybody? Wonderful. Uh, other than the ones that I already introduced, I see three hands or so that are up. And that's wonderful. We definitely want to be able to connect with you, see what you're doing, and hopefully you can use these materials to enhance what you are doing already. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, we are looking forward to see what God will do with this group, uh, energizing us and equipping us to do a better ministry as we move forward. God bless you. <laughs> and I'll hand out the microphone to Betty. <laughs> yeah, I'll get worried about it in the meantime. All right, go, go. You can start talking and I'll wire you up. This is the attendance sheet, so you'll want to make sure that you sign this so that you can get your certificate of attendance at the end. <clears throat> is this even on? So I'm going to speak about, I'm Betty, and I'm a new creation in Christ, a daughter of God. And I celebrate victory from chemical addiction. And um, I have other struggles, which will probably come out later. <laughs> Struggle with emotional eating. So I don't need this anymore. I'm good. Am I good? Can you hear me? <clears throat> well, I've got two things on me. <laughs> Better with this? All right. <clears throat> 
So I'm going to talk this morning about the power of words, identity, and who am I? Who are you? Um, from the very beginning, words have been an integral part of our life here, of the world, of creation. They're not, there's no handouts here. <laughs> so if you want to take notes or take pictures, they are filming. Um, and this will be on the website later, Advent Source website or our website. But no, they won't be handed out. <clears throat> so words have been an integral part of our lives from, from the Earth's creation. Um, Lucifer in heaven wanted to be greater than God. I was reading that in Isaiah and Ezekiel last night on how he wanted to be more than what he was created to be. And those words, the things that he said, got him cast out down here. <clears throat> the, the creation, God used words. He said, let there be. And, and we, we have everything that he created. He said, let there be, let there be, let there be. <clears throat> Words have power. They give power. They influence our beliefs and others. Words are used to shame. They're used to build up. Words simply have power. Um, We destroy, we build up, we affirm, we change, we improve our brain function by how we talk to ourselves. I took Arlene Taylor last weekend and, and how we position things in our brain. The words that we use, I'm going to try to lose weight. That message that I say, I'm going to try to lose weight or I am going to lose weight. I am going to choose, I'm not going to eat that ice cream. Hal Gates used to say, talk about Google cluster ice cream. And I've been on an ice cream kick here in Florida, I don't know. But anyways, you know, when you say, I'm not going to do something, and then you identify that. So you've planted that in your head. I'm not going to eat that ice cream. Instead of positioning, I am going to eat vegetables and fruit today. So then the vegetables and fruit stay first foremost in our mind, because that's what we're choosing to do. <clears throat> So as I said, words from the beginning um, have, have been important. God used word. He said, let us make man in our own image. So here we have our first identity relation. We were created in his likeness. <clears throat> he used words, God used words to speak boundaries. He said, don't eat, you can eat anything in the garden. Don't eat from that tree. He said it distinctly and clearly, and he also said, if you do eat from that tree, then there's going to be some consequences. So he stated clear boundaries there. The serpent used words to say, oh, really, God didn't say that, did he? Really, seriously? And Eve and and they had a dialogue, and then Adam and Eve had a dialogue about, you know, this good fruit. And then God's next words were, where are you? Where are you? <clears throat> so,
There's words that we use all the time that are used in our families, that are used in our committee meetings, that are used in, just in life that wound and paralyze us. Words that for many, especially as children, stunt their growth right there. Their, their self-esteem, their self-core, these are things that they hear, they believe them to be the truth, and then they start acting out that truth. So, I mean, words that are stupid, silly, idiot, dumb, imbecile, retard. I mean, sometimes these are just said in joke. As a parent says to a child, oh, you're such a retard. What is that child believing about themselves? You know, perhaps you've heard messages like that. I know I did. I went online to see, like, what are the most hurtful phrases or words that can be said? And this is one of the lists that came up. And I was really humbled when I read this list because, unfortunately, I've said many of those things on that list. And, the, you know, the old phrase of sticks and stones can break our bones, but words will never hurt us, that's not true. That's not true. When I look at this list and I know what I said to someone in particular, I know the damage that those words did and how that person was so broken and so crushed for a really long time. So <clears throat> shaming phrases, you know, I sure heard a lot growing up and I don't think I'm alone on that, but you can just read them. You're such an idiot. Who do you think you are? Why can't you be more like your brother or sister? I mean, children hear that all the time. I hear sometimes my family saying that. Messages that we give to ourselves: You will never amount to anything. And I put that you in there because that's, I talk to myself sometimes in third person. Oh, Betty, you are just never going, you know, blah, blah, blah. So my messages go between third person and first person. I blew it again, but you'll never amount to anything. These are messages, these are words that we say in our brain to ourselves continually. You fill in your, your line. These are just some that I was familiar with. So <clears throat> words also have meaning. So when we hear a word, we have sometimes an emotional reaction to it, sometimes we have a judgmental reaction to it. So if you hear the word methodical, does that bring up like a positive or a negative instant reaction to you? Positive or negative? Positive. Positive, okay. Perfectionist. Yeah. It depends. It could go either way, right? Workaholic. Again, could be both ways. If there's balance, right? Alcoholic. Negative. People pleaser. Negative. Father. Positive. Loving. Positive. Not so good. So we can see that a word has many different connotations to many different people. <clears throat> what comes to your mind when you hear the word God? Love. Your father, love. Judge. Judge. 
<clears throat> for people that come into recovery, many, 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 many people have a very strong reaction to the word God, to the word Father. And that's some of the things that we need to embrace and work through. And it really affects the core of our identity. With the reaction that we have to Father and to God um, is, I think, the basis of our disconnect with our identity. And I'll explain. <clears throat> How many of you identify with your job? I am a doctor, a nurse, uh, whatever, and that's who you are. How many identify like that? Okay, well, I'm glad somebody identifies like that. How many identify through a life experience that I was abused or I'm an addict or anybody identify like that? Okay. <clears throat> so my identity was tied up a lot in these pictures that you see. I was adopted at the age of two months, so that little person. I went to an academy that I was, I'm really proud of. <laughs> so that's a bunch of those people on the left hand, or I don't know, that side. I was a nurse, huge identity in being a nurse. I'm a mom, a grandparent, and I'm Canadian. So those things Amen. can't get off being Canadian there. <laughs> So those things, just a moment please, those things um, and a grandmother, probably the greatest identity I have right now other than being a child of God is to be a grandmother. I'll carry on and I'll get it later. <clears throat> About five years ago, my identity really took a hit. I had grown up in the family that I was adopted into knowing that I was Danish. My adopted father was a half Dane, you know, I had pride because as an adopted person, there is no identity. Like you're this blank slate and you get plopped into someplace else and you take on what, what is there. So I grew up knowing that I was a Dane, proud of it. And at the age of 41, I located my birth siblings and through a long journey over a period of years, finally learned who my birth father was. By a piece of paper, from my full birth brother who sent this and I was no longer a Dane, I was Finnish. <laughs> At 55 years old or something like that, I am sobbing in the backyard because one of the things that I had known since I was like four years old had been with a piece of paper just changed in a heartbeat. Well, you say that doesn't really make much difference, you know. My daughter-in-law went, well, you're still an ish, you know. <laughs> but that day, all day, it was like, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And I knew I should know, but I couldn't get it. And in the evening, I knew I should know in music, because music's been really important to me. I knew I should know in music who I was. And 
that night I googled in who am I and up came Casting Crowns and that wonderful, wonderful song about who am I. It's not because of what I am, it's because of who you are. It's not because of what you've done. It's because of, you know, I'm a flower quickly fading and it just goes on and on and on and it ends that I am yours. I am yours. And so that gave me some peace when I went to bed and the next morning I woke up and in my waking moments I am absolutely screaming at God, who am I? And I could hear that Hal who began this ministry, I presented with him a lot of times saying, you're a new creation in Christ, that's 2 Corinthians 5.17, you're a new creation in Christ and it was like, that's not good enough, I'm screaming in my mind to God, that's not good enough. And then I heard a voice that said, you're a child of God. And it was like, that's not good enough. I mean, I'm screaming, good thing he can take anything we give him, right? And the next thing I heard was, you're my precious daughter. And when I heard that voice, I had a peace that I have never, ever had. My greatest wounding had been as a daughter. The family that I was adopted into, I'd been disowned and disinherited. So my greatest wounding on two different fronts had been as a daughter. So when I learned that I am his, Abba Daddy, I am his precious daughter. Amen. So when we take that and we put that into recovery ministries <clears throat> and into a 12-step meeting, when we identify, in a mainstream meeting, we'll identify ourselves as, I'm Betty and I'm an addict. And by the way, I am an addict in recovery. I celebrated 18 years yesterday, praise the Lord. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you to him. So when I'm in a 12-step meeting and I identify myself as an addict, then I keep in that place of that the, the word addict has shame and, and a lot of stuff. And I'm going to ask Ricardo in a minute to come and speak to that a little bit. In a Christ-centered ministry, we identify ourselves as being a new creation in Christ, a daughter of God, a son of God, whatever our, however we can with our identity is with Christ. And then our struggle is... How do those words sound different? I go to an AA meeting or an NA meeting and I'm Betty and I'm an addict. How does that sound? And then I go to this meeting and I say, I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a daughter of God and my struggle is. What do you think that does in here? What do you think that does in here? It takes so much of the shame away. I am his and this is what I'm struggling with. You all struggle with stuff. If you don't think you struggle with stuff, <laughs> keep coming back here we'll, we'll, we'll help you see that honestly we all struggle with stuff and that's Ricardo come and share some things okay so this issue of identity is something crucial um, you can recall in the Genesis account where God has just outlined for Adam uh, what is to come and what I'll do is as opposed to speaking it from memory I'll just read it to you. Um, and unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. 
Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Now you recall what Adam's gift was. You remember from the Genesis account that Adam was good at naming. So God would bring something before him, and whatever Adam called it, so it was. And here it is, God has just proclaimed to Adam, you know what, you guys are doomed. You're going to die. And now it's time for Adam to name his wife. I know what I would have named my wife if you jacked up my time in paradise. <laughs> but what does Adam name his wife? He names his wife Eve, mother of the living. What a lesson to us as men. He washes his wife with the name Eve. Here it is, they were just, you know, doom was prophesied, at least temporary. And he names his wife Eve. It emphasizes the crucial role of a name. This issue of a name is something that we have to tread cautiously when we are dealing in the field of addictions. So you want to know, for myself personally, for example, um, Adventism is what saved my life. So obviously it's Christ through the use of the um, denomination of Seventh-day Adventism. So that is something that is passionate and something that I don't, I can't really talk about um, just logically. It's in here. In like manner, when we are dealing with the 12-step community, you want to understand that the 12-step have saved these people's lives. This is how they see it, and to a large degree, there's quite a bit of truth to that. So that you want to be very careful when they say, hey, I'm an, I'm an alcoholic or I'm an addict. But rather than getting into a fight over it, I would encourage you to emphasize, I'm in recovery. You're in recovery. That's where I think we would all agree, <laughs> um, and there'd be less of a debate, and you would not be dishonoring something that they treasure as uh, this thing that saved their lives. Language is extremely powerful, and you want to encourage those who are, uh, um, that you're interacting with, to embrace the language of recovery. Um, a number of studies have been done that show that our brain network and neuronal connections change from minute to minute, thought to thought, much less if you're speaking. Um, and so the other thing I just wanted to make you guys aware of is that God was so committed to his word, it has creative power. God is so committed to his word, it has creative power. How committed are you to your word? And what are the excuses that we often verbalize as an excuse to not living up to our word? Something that we want to be aware of. Have you ever heard a job interview that went like this? Um, you know, I know you want me to be here at uh, 8.30, but that's probably not going to happen. I'll be coming in at around 9.15 each day. <laughs> you know? And the pay is decent, but to be quite honest, I'm going to have to pad it a little bit with some embezzlement. <laughs> you ever hear a job interview like that? 
No, of course not. We know what the right words are. I'll be here on time every day, sir. I'll get in before you. We know what the right words are, but then we don't live up to them. So we want to encourage you to sensitize those you're working with to the power of their words. All right, I like this verse of scripture and it's from the Phillips translation, one of the newer translations. And it reads like this, the grace of God who has called you to share his eternal splendor through Christ will himself make you whole and secure and strong. Do you like that? This is a 12 steps to wholeness. We wanna be whole in Jesus Christ. As a third-generation Seventh-day Adventist on both sides of my family, my dad was a Seventh-day Adventist pastor, my mother was a nurse, and we always thought of people with problems with addiction, that was somebody who had a problem with substance abuse. In fact, as a boy, as a child, if someone was smoking, they could not be a Seventh-day Adventist if they were using tobacco. And so my initial introduction to addictions was someone who was using tobacco or then using drugs and other substances, uh, alcoholic beverages. Anybody know who these people are? The person over here on the left, what, anybody know what this guy's name is? Hmm? Joseph Bates. Joseph Bates, he was a sea captain. At the age of 20, he was imprisoned during the War of 1812 in England. And another American by the name of, uh, this was in the Dartmoor prison, and his friend, uh, Mr. Davis, they were prisoners of war in England. And Joseph Bates made a pact with himself and with God, if he were to be released from prison, that he would seek to be liberated from the problems associated with intemperance. Intemperance. That's a word we don't use too much today, but it means to avoid harmful uh, practices and habits and to use in moderation those things that are beneficial. Uh, too much of a good thing is not a good thing. And so he decided at a very early age that he was going to do this, 1812. And then at the age of 29, 18, October of 1821, he uh, made some further uh, changes. He recognized that he had returned to the moderate use of alcohol or liquor. With, and he was going to limit himself to one glass at dinner, at the dinner hour. That wasn't working very well. And so his thirst for alcohol uh, was stronger than his meal for the meal. And so this led him to resolve that he would never drink another glass of ardent spirits as long as he should live. A couple of years later, he felt that he should leave off the use of tobacco which he did. This was all prior to the Seventh-day Adventist Church coming into existence. He was baptized in the spring of 1827 and joined the Christian Church 
in Fairhaven, Massachusetts. And he and the pastor decided that they would start a temperance society, one of the first in North America, an American temperance society. And so he decided this at the time of his baptism. And then he discovered in 1839 the preaching of William Miller concerning the soon return of Jesus Christ. And as a result of this, he began to study. And as he was studying, he discovered that the seventh day was the Sabbath. And so he brought that message to Ellen White. But even before this, he left off the use of butter, grease, cheese, and rich cakes. We might say that he was following a plant-based diet. And he was basically following what Daniel in the Bible followed. The other person that uh, we had uh, seen in this picture, anybody recognize this woman? Ellen White. And Ellen White we recognize as someone who uh, gave direction to the Seventh-day Adventist Church early on. I like this picture because it shows that the health message is holistic. It's a sense of physical, mental, social, and spiritual well-being. It's balanced, life in balance. Now words change meanings. And this is something that perhaps you've experienced in your life. Having a recovery vehicle, a tow truck, a, needed to call someone to tow your vehicle to a repair shop, sometimes called ADRA. That's the Automobile Dismantlers and Recyclers Association. So sometimes it's taken to a salvage yard and you'll never see it again. It's gonna, the bits and pieces that have any value are gonna be stripped away and then it'll be crushed and recycled. But perhaps it goes to a place like this. Just a couple of days ago, I was with a friend of mine. We were driving along one of the streets in uh, Orlando and I noticed a sign that said recovery room. And this is from, from their uh, website. And they can turn a, a vehicle that looks like uh, that looks like this, they supposedly can make it look like this. Be nice if it were that easy to change our lives and our minds that quickly with a, a few dollars or a few thousand dollars, depending on our insurance coverage to, to do that type of thing or our financial capabilities. Ellen White, we saw her picture earlier, A Christmas Vision, December 25, 1865, in Rochester, New York. It was with divine direction in this vision that she was asked by God to establish a health reform institution. This led to the opening less than a year later, September of that next year, 
the opening to September 5 of the Western Health Reform Institute, which today we would call a reconditioning or a rehab center. People would come for months. They didn't have insurance, but people like the, the Rockefellers, um, and this developed into what today is, or was known, world-renowned, as the Battle Creek Sanitarium and Hospital. Uh, Dr. John Harvey Kellogg was the director for many years, the medical director for the uh, Battle Creek. But these people would come and they'd, it was expensive, but they would put the money into getting back into health, getting rid of tobacco. And just recently I saw some of the uh, unique equipment that they had, uh, kind of a chamber, it looked almost like a, a casket that you'd kind of slide into with lights and it would sweat the, the uh, nicotine and so forth out of one system. Uh, very interesting museum there in Battle Creek. Early on, the Seventh-day Adventist Church was invited to be involved with the Women's Christian Temperance Union, 1874. And Ellen White, she had this admonition. She said that we should be involved as Seventh-day Adventists with the Women's Christian Temperance Union. She says we need at this time to show a decided interest in the members of this organization. None who claim to have a part in the organization and temperance lines, um, none who claim to have a part in the work of God should lose interest in the grand object of this organization and temperance lines. It would be a good thing if at our camp meetings we should invite the members of the WCTU to take part in our exercises. This would help them to become acquainted with the reasons for our faith and open the way for them to unite with them and for them to unite with us in the temperance work. 1878, the Seventh-day Adventist Church organized, officially organized an American Health and Temperance Association in 1881 because of the world uh, work of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in health and temperance, it became known as the International Health and Temperance Association. An early songbook that they had was called Temperance and Gospel Songs for temperance clubs and gospel temperance meetings. Among the songs was a smoking and chewing song, a very interesting song. Some of you who are a little older perhaps remember songs like Yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. And dare to be a Daniel, standing by a purpose firm, standing for God. 18, uh, 1930, so we're coming up now to recent history, the American Temperance Society. And some of you were perhaps members of that organization in uh, perhaps uh, college or academy. 1947, International Temperance Association. 1948, the first magazine, the first Listen magazine was published. 1954, One in 20,000, a film that uh, was used throughout the world 
in the five-day plans to stop smoking, which came about in 1962 through the work of Dr. Wayne McFarland, J. Wayne McFarland, and Dr. E.J. Falkenberg. And literally thousands, hundreds of thousands of people would, would come and they quit smoking through the five-day plan to stop smoking. More recently in 1983, and this is kind of a landmark uh, uh, organizational structure, the Institute of Alcoholism and Drug Dependency at Andrews University. Today it's known as, it, uh, with its newer name, uh, came about in 1995, the Institute for the Prevention of Addictions, located at Andrews University. Doctors uh, Dwayne McBride, the director, and uh, Gary Hopkins, associate director at the present time. 1985, the Association of Adventist Parents came into being uh, through Carol Cannon and Francis Soper and several others. Uh, 1986, and this is where I um, became acquainted with Hal Gates. Not at this date, because it wasn't until some 10 years or so later that I became acquainted with Hal Gates. Didn't even realize that we as Seventh-day Adventists had this organization. Seventh-day Adventists for the Extinction of Addictions, Regeneration Ministries, built on Christ-centered 12-step recovery model. And this was from a statement of the General Conference Study Commission on Chemical Dependency and uh, the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The destructive effects of chemical dependency touch every aspect of an individual and his or her family. The disease is responsible for the loss of significant human financial resources, Seventh-day Adventist schools, churches, and institutions. Today we know that addictions is not just about somebody else, it's not just them and us, but we ourselves, we have our challenges. And whether it's food or work or whatever it is, we have challenges as well. We owe a debt of gratitude to Dr. DeWitt Williams, who provided immeasurable support for the addictions ministry, uh, regeneration ministries, and it was through his encouragement and Reg Burgess' direction, uh, 2002 to 2005, that three regeneration ministries awareness tours were organized. I had the privilege of being involved with all three of these. Maine to Miami, 2002. Frank, I think you may have been in a little bit of that uh, as we got further south. Um, Mid-America, 2005. Um, these, were, these were good times. And it was, and then this one, Betty, was with us for the beginning of this uh, in Seattle, Washington, from Seattle to uh, Southern California. 2007, a conference on addictions ministries at Andrews University. I think some of you were perhaps there and uh, this was a, a four-day conference and it was very well attended. Some 200 people were there uh, participating in that particular event. Uh, May 13 to 14, 2008, the Association of Adventist Parents and Adventist Regeneration Ministries united because our missions and purposes were very similar. Just a year ago, Adventist Recovery Ministries voted to organize 
or to reorganize as a North American Division Committee with a standing as an official ministry of the Health Ministries Department, North American Division Health Ministries Department. And so we appreciate that. <laughs> we uh, celebrated 25 years of Regeneration Ministries. Uh, just a year ago, uh, a little over a year ago, January 6th was actually the date, but on Martin Luther King Day, uh, free, free at last. And Hal Gates, the founder of Regeneration Ministries, is here in stocks in the Philippian jail. <laughs> and in the background, you see Dr. Dwight Williams sitting there on the platform. And then today we owe a debt of gratitude for moving to the next level uh, with Katia Reinert as the Health Ministries Director for the North American Division Health Ministries Department. And we also have the new resource materials. We'll be talking about more about those tomorrow. And uh, these are our current uh, uh, area coordinators, uh, Betty, uh, Frank, uh, uh, Dorothy Ray Scott, and uh, yours truly. Oh, and Doug, Doug Goulding, that's right. Doug Goulding is serving us in the, uh, in the Northeast. So we need to get Doug's picture to share with us. All right, thank you. Appreciate your time. This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit www.nadhealthsummit.com or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons please visit www.audioverse.org